1: Welcome to the Pride of Detroit PODcast. Uh, already off to a rollicking start in this new venture we're calling PODcast Live. Brown, 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 brown. That is my worst air horn impression ever. Thank you very much. This is the Pride of Detroit PODcast. Prideofdetroit.com. Pride of Detroit on Twitter. Pride of Detroit on Facebook. Hey, you know where to find us. I say it every week, buddy. You know where to find me. You, know, I'm right here. I'm not going anywhere. 12-plus years, you still can't get me out of here. I'm still sitting here talking about the Lions. so laughing and having fun as we sit here on the Pride of Detroit PODcast to make Lions football fun for you. Don't need to do that much, though, when there's a win, baby. Just win, baby. And guess what? The Lions are undefeated now. O, one, and oh. Facts don't care about your feelings. That's not a loss there. I'm Chris Perfett, your adequate host. At Chris Perfett, P-E-R-F-E-T-T. Let's bring in the crew. You see them right here. If you're watching on Twitch, so for those who don't know who are listening to the podcast after the fact, this is the first time we have doing this live over the air. Maybe if we'd done this with an AM signal or an FM signal, we'd call it something else. What would you call a podcast? Jeremy Reisman, fearless leader at Detroit Online. What would you call a podcast that is live and free for everyone
2: over uh, airwaves, either analog or digital? What would you call that? I don't know, but this is the best damn thing we've ever done, and you guys are lucky to have us. Are they? Are they? Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, God, what happened to everything?
1: Oh, sorry. No, 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 it's fine. No, no, no. I... My whole
2: screen just got moved over. Whoop, yeah, yeah, close the chat. Thanks, sorry.
1: Yeah, we're having some technical difficulties right away, so um, we're going to work on that here as we get started. Uh,
2: Ryan Matthews, are you there? Hello. Ryan's dealing with some audio issues. That's what just moved everything off my screen. Okay. Well, we
1: will uh, deal with this as Ryan looks. If you're watching live, you see Ryan's face uh, very angrily kind of staring at things. We'll work on that. We're not going to beat around the bush. We're going to dive right into it right now. Me, my friend Jeremy Reisman here on the Pride of Detroit POD cast with a live Twitch audience. I love this. I love this, man. Lions... Are the winners. Lions 13, Chargers 10. In a game they had to have, they wouldn't have gone 0-2 on the season, Jeremy, but if they had, we know the records for teams that can't win two games to start the season, their chances to make the playoffs are in the teens. So the Are there line, any
2: stats on on teams that go 0 and one. I'm just curious. I mean, what was that one year <laughs> that
1: the Panthers went to the playoffs? They won the <laughs> NFC South at like seven, eight, and one. Seven, eight, and one. Was That's that 2012 right, yeah. or 13 or something like that? It was the it was the mid-teens. So it was, but that was. Either I mean, way. you're not going to get that with the NFC North, unfortunately. Yep. So um, probably not. But for a home opener, the Lions had to have to get excitement to the crowd. Uh, this was a sloppy game, Jeremy. It was an incredibly sloppy game, but there were a lot of good stuff we saw from key contributors from the Lions. Do you want to take the opening monologue on this, or should I?
2: I I can jump in. Okay, you go first. I usually go first. You take take the floor. The very strange thing about this game to me was just how it played out half by half, because the first half, I thought the Lions played pretty darn well. In fact, I thought they outplayed the Chargers, and yardage-wise, they absolutely did. But the, the half ended, what, 10-6 to six Chargers, I believe, because of that late late last, yes. that late field goal. Lions give up that big 45-yard pass play. Inexcusable. But the Lions kind of dominated the play through the first two quarters. They end up losing the, the half. Second half comes, the Chargers come out firing. Their offense is going down the field, down the field. Defense doesn't have a lot of resistance. Yet the Lions win the second half. And it just kind of goes to show you that thing that you and Bernie Said from last week and and the week before, these games come down to four or five plays. Absolutely, and in the first half the Lions weren't making them. In the second half, they absolutely were. I mean, there was three or four crucial plays. Trey Flowers had a couple crucial third down stops that caused field goal attempts. We know how those field goal attempts went. The Lions obviously have the the goal line stop, which is maybe the biggest play of the entire game. Turn a seven point, I mean, it's essentially a seven point swing right there. Um, and then obviously. The, the, the third and four at the end of the game to get the first down. They made the plays that they needed to when, they, when the Chargers gave them that opportunity. So it, it's just, it was a tale of two halves. And even though the outcomes kind of flipped what the the, the play on the field showed, the Lions eventually, you know, righted the ship when they needed to. And, and they made the plays where they didn't last week and and got the win. And that's ultimately the matters so You can call it an ugly game, but I feel like this is what, and, and this is something... Uh, Patricia said this is what September football is it's ugly these teams don't have a lot of time to to work together to put the pads on during training camp they get you know 10 practices or so so it starts out ugly if you can keep your head above water now and then start putting it all together in October and November and December you got a chance at the playoffs um so expect ugly play this early and and just be happy that the lines came out on top this is where I'm gonna start.
1: So I wrote a column after the first game about how the Lions needed to kind of trust themselves. And especially when it came to trusting Stafford. Because what happened in that first game was, I mean, it was the timeout. It was the it was the play that I mean, it was the play that wasn't that stuck in everyone's craw. You took the ball out of Stafford's hand and you saw exactly what happens after that. I'm not going to say Stafford play incredibly well this game. He had two interceptions. Um, a couple of, that one of them was like really ugly, but he was, you know, 22 for 30 in this game. He was the reason they won at the end of the day. He was the one putting together. Once again, Jeremy, a pass-driven day for the Detroit Lions. I think we can all say establishing the run is not right now in the cards for this Lions team. They're going to be doing it through the air to uh, to get going. But here's the deal. So we were, I was talking about it with you uh, before the show. Uh, you know, they, what, what would you, what would you, both, both the plays Stafford tried to run on the Cardinals game was a mm-hmm. play action, was a play action there kind of with time expiring on the clock, on the play clock to get it off. And the coaching staff freaks out, calls the timeout, boom, it's dead in the water. This week, to ice the to ice the game, Stafford is now huddling up to the, the line of scrimmage. They got plenty of time in the clock. Once again, it's a play action, and it was a pass to the flats. And what happens? It's the result that you would have gotten if that play against the Cardinals had gotten on, which is game is iced. So that's that's what matters right here. There's. I would urge you guys when we're done here to go read Kent Lee Platy's. He's going to have his his stock report up. Kent is very level-headed, and he did not like a lot of this game, and I think I agree with him on a lot of that there. This was a game where a lot of problems were on display for the Detroit Lions. Special teams in particular, I'm going to be shocked if uh, Jamal Agnew and or some of the coaches on special teams are still here after the bye week. I don't, I mean, I don't think Agnew is going to get cut during the season or whatever, but there is going to have to be some shakeup on that line, but everything kind of fell right into place for the lions today. You didn't have Taylor Decker. That was a 4am news dump from Ian Rappaport that Taylor Decker was not going to play in the game today. And instead it's uh Tyrell Crosby who is, who got that start at tackle. And we're going to talk a little bit more about Crosby, I think in the second segment, because there wasn't a sack on Stafford today. Massive improvement on the offensive line, straight across.
2: Huge storyline. Huge, huge
1: storyline. Story Darius Slay is another storyline that was both hot and cold there. I mean, he had to guard Keenan Allen, so that's that is not a small a small ask at all. But Stafford was the reason they won this game today. Him and Kenny Galladay put together. A hell of a performance. Carryon Johnson joined in as well for the touchdowns. Kenny Galladay. I still don't know how he got his ball in that ball into his hands into, for that touchdown pass. It was on such a tight window that I just kind of smacked my gob around a little bit.
2: It. I mean, it was a absolutely perfect pass from Stafford. Yeah. And and if I can jump in a quick little thing on Stafford, mm-hmm. and and like I said, we'll get more into the nitty gritty in the second segment here, but. I thought it was a fantastic game for him. And I know people are going to be like, what are you talking about? He threw two interceptions and two second half interceptions. And, and they were bad ones. I'm not going to defend the passes. Um, It's interesting, Stafford, after the game, he said the first interception, I'd throw it again. I'd, I'd, I'd try to make a better throw, but I'd throw it again. I want to take those deep shots. And to me, that shows that's that's a really important thing that he said. Because, you know, we're all talking about Daryl Bevel going to run the ball a bunch. But Stafford's saying like, I'm I'm unleashing if I see Kenny Galladay in one on one with no safety coverage, I'm uncorking that. You cannot stop me. And that kind of tells me like the days of Jim Caldwell conservative football might be over in terms of offensively. And and we've we've seen this team go into shells in the second half and be a little conservative on offense, but when they're playing from behind or in the first half, Stafford's going to take his deep shots and he doesn't care what you think about.
1: Yeah. I think the question remains, can they play with the lead still? But that's, that's a, that's a question for another day if they ever get a lead again. But here's right. the thing. And, and I think yeah.
2: really quick, the the thing on that is, can they run the ball? Cause they haven't yes. been able to run the ball in two days in, in two weeks. And, mm-hmm. and you can't really play with the lead very efficiently if you can't run the ball and you can't run the clock. So here's, here's
1: what I say about this game in the grand scheme of things. We talked about this game in the scheme of, you know, we looked for the entire offseason at these first few games, at the first few games before the bye week, you know, the September, middle of October, uh, actually deep into October schedule. And we sat here and said, hey, you have an early bye. You have, and you are playing a lot of teams that went to the playoffs. You have to at least get the Cardinals, and you have to probably steal at least a game from one of these playoff teams from last year to have a chance. And we've seen the chiefs are doing horrifying things. I was editing a few articles, Jeremy Oakland was up 10 points. KC suddenly like without me looking, I didn't even, I had the TV blaring in the background. I didn't even hear them lay the touchdowns on, on, on the Raiders. I didn't hear it. They were like ninjas out there. And I mean, (laughs) we'll see tonight, Sunday night football starting up soon here as we're recording you know the eagles are going to take the field we'll see a little bit of them the packers are now 2 and 0 on the on the season two division wins too they're they are suddenly i didn't think they were going to really do much but suddenly like they're they're in front of the division and that's going to be really hard to do but what happens though you get a tie in 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 phoenix and suddenly the whole script's out the window we're panicking a little bit so what do you have to do in that situation you have to go out and you have to steal a game from someone And look, the game was not pretty, but the Chargers made a lot of mistakes too. The Chargers had a lot of banged up positions too. In the past, we would see the Lions maybe fail to capitalize on that. They did capitalize here. And I think that speaks promise along with the symbolic notion of Stafford being able to get off that play action to ice the game. Those are two big symbolic wins in my book for the Detroit Lions. I don't know if it carries over to next week. I don't know what's going to happen on the road at Phil at Philadelphia but you at least have a win a W in in that column. You have a win. You are 1-0 and 1 undefeated. <laughs> No quotes, no quotes. (laughs) quotes Undefeated, they have not suffered a loss. You are 1-0-1. You have a win. You are now second in the division to start. I know that really doesn't matter too much, but whatever. But that's your record right now. You're second in the NFC North. You have a win. You stole a game from a team who went to the playoffs last year. Phillip Rivers was dealing as best he could here, too. Like, I think I I think he ended up with a a lower passer rating and lower QBR than Stafford. But I mean, when you're going up against Philip Rivers and Keenan Allen, you need to do whatever you can. And the fact that the offensive line also stopped up a really good pass rush and didn't allow a sack on the day when they struggled very hard against Arizona the week before. And it looks like that, you know, that Taylor Decker side was going to be a swinging gate for the entire year. Those are improvements and that speaks some promise. Now you got to just be consistent on it moving forward. This can't just be a flash in the pan. This can't be the Patriots game last year. You have to build on this. You have to show that this isn't just a one-time thing, but you are here and you're ready to keep doing it. But if you're looking for positives out of here because there's been some there are a lot of positions that didn't do well in this game. But so but a wins the win. Al Davis just win baby and you just hope that you can see that again. Ryan Matthews. Is the rock god. This is funny for our Twitch chat because they don't hear the drop because I have to put it in after the fact. We're gonna get a soundboard in here, Back I promise. Is the rock god. Thank it's you, a Jeremy. Thing. It's post a production thing. Post production thing. We'll add it in post, as they say. Yeah. Ryan Matthews, the Rock God at Ryan underscore Pod. We worked out his technical issues. Ryan, your takeaway from this game, man.
3: This game was ugly.
1: You're going the negative side. You you didn't think it was a good game.
3: No, no, no. I'm just saying it was ugly. It was a win. And like you said, a win's a win, but I just thought it was such a knock it out, drag it out type of football game. And it took one, it took one ultimate mistake from Phillip Rivers for the Lions to to escape with this one. I mean, it, I, I think, I think the entire game can be kind of categorized. It can be summed up with turnovers, costly turnovers by the ch- Chargers, mistakes that they made, the, the goal line play that Tavai made, the fumble that he forced the interception from Darius lay like those two mistakes, those two miscues, the lions were able to capitalize on them. And uh, it, it ends up just being a nasty, ugly 13 to 10 win. Didn't really seem like the lions played well enough to, to win that, to win this game. But sometimes it doesn't matter. You know, it was just a sloppy game. I, I think that's what I mean by ugly. I think it was a really sloppy game. A couple of turnovers from Stafford, a couple of turnovers from the chargers. It ends up just being one of these sloppy, ugly games, and it's nice to see the Lions come out on top in one of those games for a change.
2: And, and here's the thing I, I want to warn us against going for, and it, it's it's the dumb narrative that the Lions didn't win, the Chargers lost the game. And, and I mean, if, if you want to get into semantics, maybe maybe you can make that argument, but he, I, I just want to, like, stress that the Lions made big plays in big moments. Like, the fumble on the goal line... That was a forced fumble. It wasn't just, you know, the, big the Chargers coughing play, up the he ball. He was back. Big play, obviously the play of the game, uh, making plays. And and like I said earlier, you can you can narc on on the Chargers kicker for missing a couple field goals, but the only reason they're kicking field goals is because of third down stop. And the only th- the only reason they're getting third down stops is because Trey Flowers showed up a couple times big on third down, forced Philip Rivers into some incomplete passes, and so. Yeah, and, and the Lions settled for touchdowns. They didn't kick, I mean, they, they tried one field goal, didn't go so well, but the Lions converted when they needed to, you know, down a little bit, down 10 to six in in the fourth quarter. They got a touchdown. They didn't get a field goal. They went for it on fourth and one. Matt, uh, Matt Patricia got a little bit aggressive and they made plays. And like I said, obviously the third and four, the 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 game, the, the difference between last week and this week, running the clock when they had the ball. They were able to make a play on third and four and win the game. And so, yeah, it, it wasn't a clean game where they're, they're winning by three scores, but this is a nitty gritty football team that is going to kind of win out games like this. And when you're up against a good opponent, like the chargers, I don't care how injured this team is. This is a really good chargers team. And knowing the lines, like knowing Matthew Stafford's luck, they're not going to finish in the playoffs because. Stafford can't beat playoff teams or something. You got to fit that <laughs> narrative in, but I mean, I'm, I think this was a good win. I mean, it doesn't have to look good to me, especially in early September. You were still up I'm against. I'm happy with this yeah. win. The lines made enough plays to win this game, and and they deserve credit for it. You were
1: still up against Joey Bosa and and Ingram as well, too. Like let's not let's yeah. not take that away. And as you know, once again, here comes our live Twitch chat in here. So uh, first off, to answer the question from Jeff back, Bacchus Data Data's up. I'm screwing up the name already. Uh, he asks, "Was there an audible dong?" I do not believe so, but you're I wrong. believe it's
2: you are wrong, Ryan. There was an there was audible, an audible dong. dong. There was an since audible you, dong. Okay, I was looking away. You the creator of audible dong. Tell the people, was there an audible dong today?
3: There is no audible dong.
2: There was a What are you doing, guys? There was a dong. It might There's not no have been dong. audible, but there
3: There's was no a kick dong. off the upright. Did if I didn't hear, game?
1: if you, if a tree falls in the forest and if an audible dong happens in the forest and no oh, one's goodness, around to hear guys. it. All right. But yeah. the other thing I want to do, QWERTY Aaron Can also I get some points out at... three Staffords in the chat for these guys right now, oh please. Courtney Aaron also points out though, you know, you talked about, hey, maybe the Lions got lucky, the Chargers, punter turned kicker missed two field goals, but also Prater missed two field goals too. So, you know, both sides were having some bad luck on the uh, on on the kicking game today. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. missed miss an extra point in a field goal. Yeah. I should say. I had my brother-in-law apparently has Prater in fantasy, and he was texting me during the game. He's like, "What is with him missing the uh, missing the field goals?" I'm like, "Dude, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do, huh?"
2: And I but before, before maybe we, we switch it over to to the second segment and talk sure. more about the nitty-gritty about individual performance and stuff. The the one thing, and I just rewatched the 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 Lions' last drive, and the TV cameras didn't catch it. But that very last play, I think part of the reason it was so successful and credit the coaching team for this is they rushed to the line. Yes. So if they're coming out of a timeout. You know, you think the, the lines would take their time, you know, maybe run the play clock just to kind of scope the defense out, that sort of thing. They didn't do that. They broke the huddle. They sprinted to the line, and they snapped the ball right away. So the defense wasn't even set. So when you run that play action, the Chargers are kind of like in this stunned moment, and that Stafford said afterway, afterwards, like – we caught him sleeping that's why the play worked mm-hmm. and so i think the coaching staff deserves a big credit for someone who's very very critical of the coaching staff after last week and and i think rightfully so they get a big plus for that last play because i think that it was brilliant to just like catch him off guard rush to the line get that play going and, and obviously when you rush a play like that sometimes you might screw up you know rushing yourselves that that much uh, can can cause some sort of dumb mistakes. It can cause a false start. It can cause someone to run the wrong route or whatever. If you're not, you know, taking your time to go and do it. So so credit to the players too. But I just thought that was a really small moment that made a big difference in in the biggest moment in the game. We're starting to get into the weeds, so I do want to take a break here, as
1: you say, Jeremy. Let's get
2: on to round two, where
1: we talk about individual performances and uh, really get really get in there deep into this right now. I know Sunday Night Football is now going on. Some of our Twitch chat is watching that. (laughs) We'll be right back. We're going to dive into the deeper stuff in this. We're going to talk, obviously, so many questions already about Tyrell Crosby, probably the big standout here. But we're also going to talk about Darius Slay, one of the winners from today. And we're going to talk about a guy who was absent from the field, but I think his absence speaks volumes to what might happen moving forward and more outstanding plays here as we move along on the pride of Detroit PODcast. cast you guys stick right here And we're back on the Pride of Detroit P.O.D. cast. I can't believe that we just let everyone in Twitch just see what happens behind the scenes, how that all works. We are going to try to get a soundboard in here. Like, this was just kind of something like, hey, we've got this working right now. So, it's coming along. How about about
2: for the rest of the podcast, if you need a soundbite, I will just try to make a sound effect. I'll be the uh, the guy from Police Academy. I don't remember his name.
1: I don't want that at all. Are you thinking about O.J. Simpson? No,
2: that's the Naked Gun. But wasn't Naked Gun related to the Police Academy? No, two it wasn't. Movies. Poli- police Academy had that guy who just like made sound effects, like he can make a, a helicopter sound. <sighs> Sorry. I- I was requested to do the Tim Allen sound, so I did it. Oh, boy. This was a terrible
1: idea. <laughs> All right. Welcome to the first too. and last <laughs> PODcast <laughs> Live.
3: Let's try, <laughs> let's, try to get the, let's try to get the listeners back on our side. Oh, yeah.
1: Well, my cat just left the camera. I know Jeremy's is around. We're going to have pets of POD before, before long. So for those not watching on a visual medium, Ryan is hoisting up Goose, his dog here. So it is Pod Puppers. But uh, let's get into the nitty-gritty of this game then Jeremy, Ryan. Where do you want to start? I feel like I've been we'll teasing start with the bad. Okay, I was when about I to say I've been teasing bad. the offensive line, but let's go where you're let's see where you're taking the ship. Let's see where you're taking we, the ship while I find some I want to see what also the the chat it wants to talk about. So while you you get to your point, you get to your point.
2: I think everyone when I said let's start with the bad, I'm guessing everyone can guess where I want to start mm-hmm. and where Where's that? teams it's special teams, oh, of course, it is. Mm. Special I wasn't going start there, but god awful today. Jamal Agnew uh, got benched eventually. Matt Patricia says he still has faith in Agnew, but had to make the choice at, at the time. And I, I don't think anyone's going to fault him for putting Danny Amendola in the game. Danny Amendola actually looked kind of good returning the ball. But it's not just Jamal Agnew. It, it was obviously Matt Prater had a rough day today. Um, Don Muehlbach hasn't been snapping the ball particularly well. And then the penalties, the penalties on every single punt, every single kickoff is out of control. And I started running Italian on the, on the pride of Detroit Twitter account. It's costing this team like upwards of like 70, 80 yards in field position in a game because you, you get like wow. 20 yard, you get like a 15, 20 yard return. You erase that. And then you go back another 10 yards. So like a 20 yard return turns into a negative 10 yard return. That's a 30 yard difference. Special teams penalty has always been one of the things that piss me off the most, because it's just it's such a wasteful thing. Because a fair catch is fine. Like I'm fine with the Lions just getting a fair catch, not getting any sort of return, just a fair catch where it goes. And if that's the case, any sort of holding or blocking the back is a waste of effort. Like just don't do it. Just let the guy run through. He'll do a fair catch and we're fine. But instead, the Lions keep moving back, and and it costs them so much, so many. So much field position in this game, and you think about how the line's offense performed today. Pretty much every drive, they were gaining 20 to 30 yards. And if they were to start at the 30-yard line, that could push them into field goal range. But instead, they were starting at their own 20, or a lot of times they were starting within their own 10-yard line. And so you get those 20, 30 yards, and suddenly you're at midfield, then it stalls, then you punt away. So those special teams penalties really, really hurt this team, really, really limited the margin of error for this offense. And even though I thought the offense had an okay day, the fact that the special teams was so bad and and made the offense had to drive so long, that's why you only got 13 points. That's why it only says 13 points over there. Because the special teams was just doing them no favors. And it sucks. I hate it. Yeah.
3: I'm I'm totally fine with just any punt returner getting out of the way. Like if you don't <laughs> think you can make a secure fair catch, look at the problems Agnew's had in the past couple of weeks. I mean, and how much of this do you think is mental at this point? I think, I think at this point, like he has to have something in the back of his head because sure. he's shown, he's shown the ability to do it. He, I mean, that's why he, he was an all pro at one point.
2: Yeah.
1: I feel that the special teams coaching staff, I don't think anyone could get fired, but if we do see this continued performance for a while, maybe by bye week, you could see a coordinator. So I wouldn't say the special teams coach gets fired, but there's gotta be like a, you know, a quality control coach somewhere or something that could just see like a head rolling.
2: Yeah. I mean, Bonamago should certainly have a fair certain of criticism at this point, being the new coach and, and seeing, uh, how bad it's been through two weeks and the interesting thing though is like this was going on last year too i mean obviously wasn't as bad and he was on injured reserve for half the year anyways but the penalties have just got to stop and i don't know what the source of the problem is but considering just how much we hear about how important special teams is to make a roster spot i mean it's basically all we're talking about in august it's like these guys have to be good at special teams if they want to make this final 53 man roster and guys like CJ Moore end up making the roster because of it. Mike Ford and a bunch of other guys make this team because they're good at special teams. Well, where is it? Where is this good special teams? Where are all the special teams talent that, that we were promised when they were building this roster and why has it been so bad in two weeks? And one of these days, it's really, really going to bite the lines in the butt. If it didn't already, I mean, you could argue, Agnew's fumble was a big reason the Lions didn't win last week. They could have put the game away early, but Agnew, you know, turns the ball over right after the, the Tracy Walker pick. So special teams is, is a huge problem. And I don't know if Jamal Agnew comes out next week and is the punt return and the kick return. It seems like Matt Patricia's is, is, is going that way. But I I mean, we talk about coaches, you know, holding their players responsible Matt Patricia right. did a good job pulling him from this game. I don't know if he's going to pull him from the next game, but you have to at least think about it. This I point. want to
1: put the plug on this because I don't think I want to spend more than seven minutes talking about the special teams. I'm sorry. because And also, and I wanted to go here next too. And uh, Ryan, feel free to weigh on this one because um, when it comes to the defensive line, there was a lot of good today. But at the same time, there's a lot of there's a lot of problems here. Um, I know some people were asking about Trey Flowers. You know, I think who who was it? Someone was asking, you know, where was Trey Flowers? I know Trey Flowers kind of showed up late in the game here. Uh he wasn't great up against the Chargers. He's still better than last week, I feel like. But then ah, uh, I don't know what's going on with him. I don't know what to really make of Mike Daniels. Um he was completely off the box score, and I mean, you got you got a sack on Philip Rivers, but I mean, we talk about the problems with. The, we're going to get to the, the Lions' offensive line, but the Chargers' defensive offensive line was supposed to be coming into this game pretty well banged up, and the Lions didn't really capitalize too much on that.
3: I think this was a problem that you saw from the Lions in the second half of the Arizona game, and we thought that that was maybe just a concern because of how many snaps they were playing towards the end of the game, the defensive line not being able to like, generate any push, really generate any pressure. And I think people were kind of calling for Trey Flowers' name today because he didn't do a whole lot last week, but it was almost right on cue, at least on my Twitter timeline. I think our our own like Jerry Mallory, like he said something about like you know where's Trey Flowers, and then the very next play. He had a uh, he had a QB pressure where he actually got hit on Rivers and forced uh, forced an incomplete pass, um, or at least forced you know Rivers to, to hurry up a throw that led to an incomplete pass and led to a tur- uh, led to a change in possession. But yeah, you you would hope that with the defensive line that they've assembled now they are a little bit shorthanded. I think Deshaun Hand when he eventually comes back and he's healthy that adds another element to it. Absolutely. Is he going to be is he is he going to be the cure all? I don't know. Jared Davis is one of the best like pass rushing linebackers according to some of the advanced metrics and some of the statistics we see there. Mm -hmm. So those two guys missing, like you can't really understate how much of a, how, how much that maybe influences or impacts what the defense wants to do. Maybe they end up playing a little bit more of this like coverage game where they don't want to try to risk and, and run too much pressure. Uh, Hopefully, once those guys get back, maybe we see a little bit of a, a different Lions defense. But I agree, Chris. I think it is a little bit of a concern that even with some of the names that they do have right now, you know, Trey Flowers, who they went out and spent a ton of money on, getting Mike Daniels, Sean Robinson, Damon Harrison, th- these guys should be doing a little bit more. I mean, even even just in terms of, you know, table table pass rush and look at what the Chargers were able to do on the ground today. 25 carries for 137 yards, yep. 5.5 yards a carry. And that's even with the Justin Jackson run that got called back. Right. You know what I mean? So that's a bit concerning because I think we all thought that that was going to be a strong point for this defense, right, Jeremy?
2: Yeah, I mean, there's there's no question to me that the defensive line through two games has been the most disappointing unit on the team. I mean, there's there's no way around it. The, the, really the only guy that I see out there playing well both in the run and in the pass is A'shaun Robinson. Yeah, i I think agree he's playing phenomenally playing for contracts um, sna- <laughs> snacks is not playing up to speed i don't think at this point trey flowers isn't you know he he's had a couple flashes but he's not playing up to skills at this point and and mike daniels like you mentioned kind of irrelevant through two games and th- there are reasons to to be hopeful that maybe it just they just need time i mean mike daniels didn't play a lot in training camp. He's still kind of getting his feet. Same with Trey Flowers, same with Snacks. All these guys, you know, had a you know big chunk of, of training camp that they didn't show up to. And so, you know, the optimist in me is like, let these guys get their footing. We talk about how September football is not that good. It's probably especially not good for guys who, who took almost all of August off or coming back from injuries and things like that. But you also have to be very concerned because you looked at this defense towards the end of last year, everything was starting to hum. Not not the case right now, and it, it's mostly the same cast. If if anything, it's even better than last year on, on paper. But these guys really need to perform better because, oh, yeah. I mean, you talk about the the identity of this team, who who they're supposed to be, what Matt Patricia is all about, establish the run, stop the run. Yep. Lines aren't doing either of those right now.
3: They haven't done the either those for two weeks. They haven't not done either of those. Carry on, they Johnson. They lost 40. The game somehow, <laughs>
1: Carry on, Johnson. Only I think averaging three point four yards in this game. Ty Johnson. I know some people were talking about him. He averages six, but he also only got like five handoffs too. So he wasn't really used much there. It was he got he got a couple of big spots to, to for what it was, but just again, we don't see that. It's still as I said, it's still on Matthew Stafford. Uh I want to talk about the big question though hanging over and this is both good and bad this isn't all I don't want to be too negative on this one because there is some light here I'm just curious how much of a hope it is it feels odd to be so negative after a Lions win and I promise we're not always like this we're here to make it fun but we just got to break this down because this this again this is a win it felt great we're gonna play be playing Africa we're having fun we're all celebrating this yeah we're gonna have some Kool-Aid but we also need to break this down and I want to ask you, Jeremy, uh, obviously the 4 a.m. news dump from Ian Rappaport, which by the way, I know you hate. <laughs> you hate I that this...
2: I don't know where this came from. like, Why Why all of a sudden are beat writers giving us injury updates about Sunday at 4 a.m.? Where did this come from? I don't know, why man. Why are they talking with agents that early? Who's giving... Like, why isn't this news available earlier? You I don't just want, want to go on a you... stupid rant about this, but it's <laughs> no, stupid. No. It
1: we're derailing from my point. Taylor Decker was out today. So Ian was right. Uh, That ended up being a silver lining for the lions because last week, Taylor Decker was not good. We talked a lot about him and I don't know how good Tyrell Crosby is, but I will just look at the stat sheet. No sacks on Matthew Stafford, none against a chargers, a defense that includes Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram. No sacks. Take of that as you will. Take of that as maybe Stafford was being a little more elusive. Take that as, hey, Terrell Crosby might be the answer. I don't know. And I'm asking you guys to help me out here to work out this calculus because all I see is Taylor Decker's not in the game, and suddenly it's not a swinging door on the side here. It, it well, seems like the offensive line, at least for this game, had its head on straight.
2: Here's, here's what I'll say about this, and maybe this is reading too much into it, but I think and I'm I'm not trying to take anything away from Tyrell Crosby, but can we give a lot of credit to Daryl Bevel for this, for game planning this? Because they had Stafford on the move a lot. They had mm. Stafford, you know, moving the pocket. We we mentioned this during all offseason. We saw Stafford running a lot, you know, doing bootlegs, play action, um, shifting protection, moving tight ends over to, to help protect that side of the field. Daryl Bevel deserves, I think, a lot of credit for for calling protection schemes that that, that allowed, because I want to be clear here. Tyrell Crosby is not better than Taylor Decker. He's just not. And that doesn't mean that Tyrell Crosby didn't have a better game than than uh, Taylor Decker did last week. But I think the Lions knew their fault in this game. They didn't necessarily know in week one that that uh, Decker was going to shit the bed. Pardon my French. But they knew they were, they were in a big mismatch in week two with Tyrell Crosby. And so I really think you have to give a lot of credit to this coaching staff. Again, I hammered this coaching staff in week one. I'm going to give them a really high grade in my my scouting or my report card tomorrow because, I mean, they, they knew their biggest weakness on the offense. They made it so it wasn't a weakness. They kept, they kept Stafford clean, which is something we very rarely get to ever say. ever. And for them to do that against two of the best pass rushers in the league against a, a left tackle making his first NFL start at that position – that that has a lot more to do than just Tyrell Crosby playing well, which he did, to be clear.
1: Yeah, and he got some help. TJ Hawkinson, obviously, like, I mean, I know he had more penalties than than receptions in this game, but Hawkinson was being a lot more involved in the blocking scheme, and I think that did help take some pressure off of Crosby getting his first, you know, career start here. So that absolutely helped out, but yeah like but as you say that's part that's part on Daryl Bevel, you know adjusting for your weaknesses, covering up using what you have you have a tight end that can do both blocking and receiving so use them where you need them for that week Ryan, I know you want to jump in here on this
3: oh i I do so bad I want to jump in because I need to be the sad trumpet you
1: ready <sighs> what did I do?
3: It's awesome that Daryl Bevel was able to put together this game plan that kept Stafford upright. Kept him free from ever hitting the turf. No sacks. That's great. However, at the same time, why are the Lions only able to run for 94 yards? It's true.
1: On Johnson, once again, we keep talking about him being the big feature back. I feel bad for anyone who has him in fantasy. He got you a receiving touchdown. On Johnson is more productive through the air today than he was. So you're maybe not as bad if you have him in fantasy. He had a touchdown, but that was through the air. On the ground, Less yards than he had in the air. Forty-seven through the air on two receptions. As I said, three point four yards per carry average on twelve carries.
3: Yeah, and, and three three point four yards per carry. When look at what the Chargers gave up to the Colts in the previous week. You mm-hmm. know when they played when they played the Colts, and I mean the Colts are over two hundred yards. Yeah, they do. They do have a pretty good rushing rushing game there, uh, and and they proved that I think their offensive line is one of the better one of the better units in the NFL because they, they ran the ball up against the the Titans today too to the tune of you know 34 carries for 167 yards and 4.9 yards per carry. But last week, like you said, Jeremy, 203 yards on 33 rushing attempts, 6.2 yards per carry. I think that that was one thing that we I think that was one thing we were looking forward to is that hey, you know what, the Lions might be able to establish the run. You know, the two things that Matt Matt Patricia has preached. And I think that what's maybe best to come out of today's game. I think the best takeaway is that the Lions, their game plan hasn't worked through the first two weeks, yet they still don't have a loss. And there's a lot of bad, there's a lot of bad September football. And if the Lions can get that out of their system and they can get this offense to a point where it's 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 accomplishing the things it wants to accomplish, it wants to. Focus on time of possession. It wants to be able to run the football. It wants to be able to be efficient and effective in 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 that in that sense. Being one zero and one, it, it could be a lot worse. It could be much worse.
2: And I, th- I think Chad had a good point. I don't know who it was. Sorry, but um, sometimes having a successful run game doesn't necessarily mean running for 150 yards. Sometimes it just means making the defense stack the box and being able to run play action effectively. That, that is somewhat true. But at the same time, this team, like we mentioned before, when they're playing with the lead, they're going to have to be able to run the ball. And they mm-hmm. haven't shown that they're capable of doing that yet. And so I do think, yeah, this is, this is the run blocking is definitely a big concern. And I'm not entirely sure what's going wrong there. I'd like to kind of take a closer look this week maybe and, and figure out what's going wrong there who's not doing their job right. And sorry, my dog is biting my finger like crazy because he was in his crate for nine hours today. But uh, I, I, I do think this is a major concern that the lines aren't able to, to do the two things that they want to be able to do. And, you know, against better teams that aren't so mistake prone, um, they're going to run into some troubles.
1: Yeah. So let me get to two guys real quick on the positives. I know we've just gone 20 minutes, just again, harping on it. Like this is a, you know, a, a loss or something, but two positives real quick. Uh, you know, it wasn't as big of a day for Hawkinson. As I said, he had to do a lot more blocking, but that was by design. Kenny Galladay. Hey, or as I said, you should say in the words of Terry Bradshaw, Kenny Galloway. Galloway. Thinking about the links, I guess. I guess. Um, Galladay. I mean, we keep going on and off. I, I know, Jeremy, you're about ready to dive in and say, hey, get the jersey. No. Never. Oh, I was about to say Yeah, that. yeah. We know about you in jerseys, actually. <laughs> um, also real quick, we haven't gotten to Darius Slay. Good. I now, wanted to talk about him. Yeah, this is this is a bit double headed because up until that interception, I wasn't gonna say Darius Slay was having that great of a day, but who who the hell has a great day covering Keenan Allen? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I I know I know this is a big thing of consternation with Slay, but You're not going to shut down a receiver like Keenan Allen all the time. Keenan Allen's too good to be taken out of a game completely. Like he
2: did limit him. Yeah. Go on, Jeremy. And here's the thing I want to say is like, I saw a lot of people saying, you know, towards the the end of the fourth quarter before Slay had the game winning interception saying like, Ooh, Keenan Allen is eating Darius Slay's lunch. And oh my God, Darius Slay isn't the guy he used to be. He's, he's fallen off. He's, he's hit the 30 wall, blah, 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 blah. I thought for the first quarter and a half, those two were going head to head. Keenan Slay Allen got was targeted fifteen.
1: Breakup. Keenan Allen was targeted fifteen times. He only caught it yep. eight times, so a little over fifty percent. Like,
2: he, I mean, for I, I understand watching the game and how it felt like the Lions would get the Chargers into third and longs so and Keenan Allen would bail, bail them out. So it felt like he was making a bit of impact on the game, and he was. But when you kind of mm-hmm. zoom out and look at the whole picture, like. Kenny Galladay had a much better statistical day. He had a bigger impact on the game. And it's so, more efficient. Yeah, he was more efficient with his yardage. And on those plays that Slay was getting beat, which, you know, it did happen, he was usually in the position at least to make the play to stop, you know, a, a 10 yard gain from turning into a 15 yard gain. And I think in a lot of times he was in a good position to even make a play on the ball. Just Keenan Allen's a really good guy, really good player. He's going to get his yardage. There's no corner in this league that's going to stop him completely. And so I think Darius Slade did as good of a job as you can pretty much expect. And the fact that he f- topped it off with game winning interception shows to me that big play Slade. obviously it's not going to be, yeah, it, it's a, it's a big, day for Slay, and it might not be his best PFF grade. It might not be his best statistical day, but this is the kind of performance that you can expect out of Darius Slay. He'll he'll limit big guys to not put 150 on you, and then he'll eventually make the big play. And so I'm completely fine with his performance today.
1: Yeah, as, as Garrison 48 also points out, one of uh, Keenan Allen's big reception, Slay wasn't even on him at that point. So Slay right. wasn't shadowing him the entire day. He was shadowing him most of the day. So, you know, we, yeah, it's, it's what it is. But I, Ryan, what do you, what do you think about Darius Slay? Because I know, again, it, it was back and forth on him, but I, I'm ready to give him a game ball here just because of his performance today. Because again, like Keenan Allen is so good. He's one of the best route runners in this league. And he has a quarterback as elite as Philip Rivers throwing to him. Like that's a hard combination to really say, Hey, you should be showing that guy down 90% of the time.
3: Totally, especially when you play in an NFL that definitely favors and has a favoritism towards offense, right? Yeah, towards I, I receivers, yeah. Yeah, and you said it best. Keenan Allen, probably one of the best r- route runners in the entire NFL. I think he's got to be considered one of the top five receivers in the NFL. And it's not just because he had a big game against Darius Slade It's just because he does this to everybody. Yes. He's
1: done worse to, to other people.
3: <laughs> yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think that there's, there's a corner in the league that can necessarily keep up with Keenan Allen. However, at the most important time, Darius Slay made the biggest play of the game. And Absolutely. that's why he has the nickname, right? So Big play, Slay. I, I think you have to give your hats off to him because holding Keenan Allen to eight catches for 98 yards, it's, it's still something impressive. Like, he could have easily done more. He and had he, 123 and last week. It, exactly. Like, he, he could do more. And he was
2: targeted 15 times. Yeah. So he, I mean, it was, it was barely over 50% completion rate when targeting him. That's, that's a, that's a win. I'm sorry. That's a win. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I think win. that's
3: a total win. And, and I mean, I'd really like to see the numbers and go back and see what, what catchable balls in terms of like, in terms of like catchable targets and things like that. And, and see maybe how much Slay was necessarily quote unquote responsible for. But I'm, I'm in agreement with you, Chris. I think Darius Slay definitely deserves a game ball. Yeah, yeah. I,
1: I'd be curious. I think, Jeremy, one of us, while you're fighting with your dog here, uh, someone should at least probably do a deep dive this week on Pride of Detroit into Darius Slay because I think that was the, one of the most fascinating parts of this game. I think yeah. uh, Kenny Galladay and Darius Slay are like the two guys standing out that you just really got to talk about. But we're overdue for a break here, so we're going to take a break. Chat's been feeding us a ton of questions. I want to get to them right now. And hey, if you are not here live with us and you want to get in for next time, hashtag ask od on Twitter is where you can throw it. We're putting the mailbag on ice, the the physical mailbag uh on privateroid.com. We have to put it on ice because like there's no way we can put that out there like right after a game and then expect everything to get in. We'll bring it back for the uh for the bye week and it'll be back in the offseason. But while these games are live, we're going to be taking it from Twitch chat and from Twitter.com, hashtag AskPOD. We'll be right back here and get to the questions. Uh, John Whitaker is in your Twitch chat right now. He is going to uh, feed me some questions, and we'll get to them, comments, everything else, next on the Pride of Detroit cast. Time. Mail time.
2: Oh. Mail time. The mail is here. Time. here's the mail it never fails it makes me want to wag my tail when it comes i
1: want to wail mail time hashtag ask P-O-D. as always to get your questions in what jeremy what you're throwing I'm up my, your hands I there dad.
2: My dog didn't chase the, the toy that uh oh, Okay, playing with. great, wonderful.
1: Um, before we get into that, someone pointed out in the chat, and uh, once again, thank you guys for being my eyes and ears, even though you lead me astray because I am a giant idiot. I want to talk about this. Since we were talking Chargers Lions, we might not get to the uh, to this again. By the way, shout out to Blues Clues. You know, we use their theme, their old theme in oh, here, they're coming back. It?
2: Can we sing it together? Absolutely not. Please? Maybe it's
1: I can I be blue can I like do the no okay (laughs) fine let's 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 try to do this in sync this is gonna be terrible ready Ryan you don't look ready
2: we're singing the blues clues theme Mm, the mail theme mail time mail time mail
1: time mail time Here's the Here's mail, the it mail. never mail. fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When I
2: come, I want to whale. Oh my God, this is so good. Shut up, Ryan. Have fun. I
1: can barely hear Jeremy now. We actually, originally when we started this podcast, it was Alex Reno going mail at the, at the end.
3: It was, and every time I listen to the podcast... When I when I listen to it back on the off chance, I always am anticipating hearing him, and when I don't hear him, I get really sad.
1: I lost it. I lost the clip. That's what happened. I have to go back to one of the older podcasts and just clip that whole thing out. So, but Alex isn't even here. He's persona non grata. So what am I? What am I even doing? Um, real quick before we get into the mailbag, and now that we've just done this, that abomination that will live on forever, mm-hmm. Melvin Gordon on Twitter. Uh, dear Lions yeah. Kicker, ha, 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 drinks on me after the game. Crying emoji, crying emoji, crying emoji. Oops. And then quote tweet from, from Quandry Diggs, drinks on me for your kicker. Nice doing business. Melvin Gordon, ha, 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 hope to see you again, my baby.
2: Super Bowl, we'll see you. <laughs> <laughs> Sign him next year, year man. By then. <laughs> I I love
1: this man. I love this. Absolutely. That's exactly what I want to hear out of Melvin Gordon. I want him to play a little bit of the heel right now. Absolutely, man. Like, I mean, I don't think the Chargers sign him. Austin Eckler had 66 yards on the day, but I mean, you put a loss on the Chargers record. Maybe he gets him back to the table. I don't know, but I want to see that. That's funny.
3: Should Should Melvin Gordon be tweeting during games?
1: Yeah, he's supposed to be playing.
3: I just don't know. I mean, what, 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 like, what interest does he have in paying attention to like what the Chargers do? Shade, cloud. Yes, it just it just seems so weird to be like a teammate from the sidelines when you're choosing to not play. And I'm one hundred percent. I'm yeah. I'm always one hundred percent in the. I'm holding out of playing football because I deserve as much money and as I should get paid, mm-hmm. and as the market dictates. So I'm one hundred percent in Melvin Gordon or in. Uh, uh, yeah. Melvin Gordon's camp. Melvin Gordon's camp. I almost said Melvin Ingram. I'm like, whoa, no, don't do that. Lots of chargers. Anyways. So I'm 100% in his camp. However, just like, it just seems like, it just seems weird that he'd be tweeting during the game. All right. Let's,
1: uh, let's start with some questions now. Um, let's start with H. DeJong asking us from the Twitch chat, based on his usage, how would you rate Ty Johnson's performance
2: today? I was I was very impressed, to be honest. I was first of all a little surprised that the Lions used him as much as they did. Um, five carries, thirty yards, basically as many carries as C.J. Anderson got. I mean, C.J. Anderson did not play a role in this game, and I think everyone is starting to have some flashbacks to Garrett Blunt in in terms of how C.J. Anderson is playing. And I don't think that's necessarily fair to C.J. Anderson, given how bad the offensive line has been blocking. But um, Ty Johnson's a weapon. And I think you have to consider at this point that maybe he's going to also be a special teams weapon. Because he, I believe, he was in on kicker returns in the, in the second half after Jamal Agnew stuff happened. So the Lions recognize him as a weapon. They recognize J.D. McKissick as a weapon. They have a lot of interesting weapons in that backfield that I think they're going to utilize more and more as the season goes on. My question or my eagerness is I just want to see two of those guys out on the field at the same time. It's a thing that we we screamed about last year too, right? Like having Riddick and having Carry On out there at the same time. I want to see some Carry On and JD McKissick. I want to see some Carry On, some some Johnson and Johnson. Give me some Carry On and tie. some baby powder. The, give me some baby powder. I mean, <laughs> powder my
1: body. That, that, that's the that's the more, that's the uh, more innocent version of Johnson and Johnson. I'll just say that they've been in the news for other stuff. Um, anyway, we've let me been. T-
3: yeah, I but. think we've been pounding the table for that, Jeremy, for years. Though we wanted oh. Abdullah and Riddick, <laughs>
2: but if there's one person that might actually fulfill those. I feel sure. like it might be Daryl Bevel because, I mean, could could an offensive coordinator be more popular than Daryl Bevel is right now? Even, I mean, even though the team scored 13 points today, I feel like still everyone feels pretty good about him.
3: And even yeah. though he basically called the timeout in week yeah. one,
1: yeah. <laughs> Speaking of week one, let's get to this question from Cordy Aaron, one of our subscribers on Twitch. Uh, is it weird that I felt better about how we played against the Cardinals than how we did against the Chargers?
2: Um, no, I think no. I'm with you.
3: Yeah.
2: Um, defensively, we definitely played a better game against the Cardinals, you know, fourth quarter aside. Offensively, I, I don't think you could even make an argument that they were better uh, against the Chargers. I just think, I mean, strength of the opponent, right? Mm-hmm. I mean. Uh I, I I'm not like I kind of said in the whole first segment, I'm not displeased with how the Lions played. It was a little sloppy at times, but they they played hard against a, a I think a really, really good opponent. I mean, this is a Chargers team that went twelve and four last year and you know, they're probably gonna win ten games again this year as well. Assuming the wheels don't completely fall off with injuries, like they, they seem to might be already happening. But um no, I, I think the Lions definitely played a cleaner game, looked a lot better in, in week one, but some of the same things that we saw in week one, mostly Daryl Bevel. And, and I, think, I think Lions had good secondary play in this game as well, even though it doesn't quite show up on the stat sheet as much as it did last week. Um, I think there, there are certain connecting things that make week one and week two, um, you know, good overall performances. But I think, yeah, I think week one was probably a better performance overall.
1: We've got a question here from Nuge Good. What is your favorite hot dog place?
3: locally i think my favorite hot dog place we've we've discussed this before on the podcast but yeah i'm a lafayette Coney person
1: you're a lafayette i haven't since coming out to, to to la i haven't gone to pinks yet i know that's like the big famous place here jeremy is pinks hot dogs i just i'm just not a big hot dog guy i'm really not
2: me neither yeah. i did have a burrito a hot dog burrito at pinks which oh was good because it was essentially just a burrito with a hot dog stuffed in the middle but why wouldn't um, you just get real meat in the in that burrito instead yeah I mean, yeah, that's that's a great point because hot dogs are bad unless
1: hot dogs are like hot dogs have to be cheap. That's my problem is like if I am going to go with a bottom tier meat and hot dogs are bottom tier meat, I'm sorry. They are. You've got to make them cheap for me. I don't want to spend a lot of money on a hot dog. If your hot dog is the same price as a as a cheeseburger, I'm going to go get that cheeseburger. That's a better that's a better quality of meat. I know what's in Chuck. I don't know what's in a hot dog
3: a fair point it is truly a fair point but just because i don't know what's in the hot dog i don't know what goes into the hot dog making process when you smother a bunch of detroit style coney chili on it and you put some mustard on it you put some onions on it it kind of falls into the background <laughs> I <laughs> I mean, like like, it's the best kind of hot dog the best kind of hot dog is the one that kind of just goes under the radar but imagine no, doing that with any
2: other it, food right <laughs> I call it the car defense, where like I don't know how a car works, but it works and it gets me to places. I don't know what's in a hot dog, but I guess sometimes it's edible.
3: Hey, when, I'm telling you, when you have the vehicle covered in coney chili and mustard and onion, I don't care. I, I know where it's going to take me eventually.
2: Okay, actually, so maybe mechanic, this is the mozzarella stick defense, because the mm. hot dog itself oh, and no. the mozzarella stick are not good, but you're shoveling good food in through the hot dog or the mozzarella stick, marinara sauce yeah i would eat a spoonful of marinara sauce okay. delicious
1: um <laughs> yeah we've actually got some more questions about food now i know Steves tabers chiming in la pumas in rochester has some incredible conies haven't been to that one h Jong's back here with uh asking have you ever had a beltline bar wet burrito in grand rapids yet yeah, we went to grand rapids um that was our horrifying night where i got way too drunk that was like two dollar hot dog and speaking of hot dogs Griffin games, baby. griffin's game two dollar hot dog and beer night with mm-hmm. a trip to found to the founder's uh tap room afterwards mm-hmm. it didn't end well for some of your boys and by I some i mean me that wasn't recorded we recorded Ryan in Punta Cana Grand Rapids (laughs) was my Punta Cana it just was never recorded
3: I've never had never partaken in the Beltline food I've never been I've never been there before when I've gone out to Grand Rapids because it seems like every time I go to Grand Rapids I just stick with what I know is going to make me happy Griffin's
1: Game cheap beer
3: over to Founders afterwards
1: Mm -hmm. it's not a devil dancer sandwich anymore
3: that was yeah
1: now you jump
2: into a question here <laughs> yeah 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 I
1: was about to pull up a next question but if you want a question by all means this mailbag is open for everyone
2: I, I think Cram has an interesting question Cram, I yeah. know, uh, thoughts on the safety play today seems like Walker was targeted last week in the fourth quarter and got targeted some today Dig seemed a little up and down yeah I, I mean Tracy Walker gave up one of the first big plays of the game, that downfield pass to Austin Eckler, um, got bit on a double move. I think he's still learning in terms of coverage and sort of deep coverage. He had a really, really, really good read on a – I think it was a screen pass or maybe it just was like a, a pitch to the outside. I think he had a tackle for loss for three or four yards in the fourth quarter. So that was really <laughs> good. And then Quandre Diggs, kind of the same story. Like he gave up one big play, the, the one towards the end of the half or the 45-yarder where he – he went for the interception when he probably should have played the, the man and tried to break up the pass. Um, but he also, I think, had a tackle for loss himself on a on a well read screenplay. So, um, as as you are going to get with safeties, you are going to you are probably going to give up a big player too. But as long as you you limit them to one a game at most, then you are probably doing a fine job. And I would I would say they were both fine today, not great. Anyone feel differently? I am just listening to squeak toy in your background. I thought I took the only one away that squeaked. Apparently I have a second one. There's always more.
1: Uh, We've got another question. I know a few people have been asking about the refereeing in this game. Um, I don't want to characterize it as luck for the lions. I know when refereeing goes against the lions, we talk that becomes a narrative because that's just part of what the fandom is right now. Detroit versus everybody, the specters of 2014 and Dallas, everything else. Uh, look, you just got to roll with calls when it comes from the refs. Uh, if they get them in your favor, you get them in your favor. It's, it's not a skill. It's not random. I don't like. I don't want to call it luck. We just watch. We just watched probably the most degree just non-ruffing the passer called as roughing the passer in that Bears Broncos game. But I don't. I, were, were there any plays here that stood out to you that the Lions felt like they were either that they were taking advantage? The Chargers were getting a raw deal. Jeremy Ryan, did you see anything
2: like that? Not, I mean, I'm trying no. to think of like the the two biggest penalties I can rem- that I remember that that had a big impact on the game was the offsetting penalties on the on the punt return that Jamal Agnew fumbled. Um, that was obviously a big break for the Lions, but um, I I couldn't tell you whether the the penalties were were good or not. And then the other one being the pass interference play on Darius Slay um late in the game that I think the Lions considered challenging. Um I think that one might have gone against the Lions and. Not favorable in their favor. I can't really think of an uh, of an example of when the the refs made a call that that looked to be poor that went in the Lions' favor. Maybe I'm just forgetting it, but um, I, to me, I don't think the refs played a huge factor in this game. I think uh, I think that the teams made plenty of mistakes on their own.
3: Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. I, I didn't think that there was anything especially egregious. Then again, I don't think that there's anything especially egregious on my scale of bad calls and bad breaks for the lions. Like it kind of like starts with like the Pettigrew thing, which is really weird, Jeremy. Like I yeah. heard, I think that there's one Lions beat writer. I can't remember if it was Rogers or if it was Mikey who mentioned that the Brandon, uh, Pettigrew, the picked up flag against Dallas is part of the lions, like montage that plays before games. Yeah, yeah There's a new video. Why? And I, th-
2: I think it's part of the, like we're tough and we've been through oh, all this. Oh my Ooh, God. Spare
1: me. Stare me.
2: Hype really video though. I I'd like to see it in full because you can't really hear the audio that well up in the press box. But um, I think you guys would enjoy it if you if you watched it. Even even though it does have the pedigree play.
3: It's not set to Kid Rock, is it? No, but they is come out set of the to t- Hold up, Kid Rock and
2: makes up
1: that they've been doing for I was about to say. Second question here: Is it set to Till I Collapse
2: by Eminem? <laughs> I don't think so. Okay. I don't know. I think I think it was just like. It's like oh Fortuna-ish kind of music in the background. I, I hate that. I hate that so much. I've been <laughs> hating Saints fans
1: for now almost half a year because they won't let this go. Like... Just get over it. Just get like that. That's it too. 2014 was the last time I was like really mad about something that happened with the Lions. But like, please, for the love of God, stop doing this. This Detroit, every four b- years ago. Like, that's, that's like five, 30, almost five now. Like, general
2: managers ago. <laughs> it was
1: only one like, coach ago. You coward. <laughs> you coward. All right. Um, <laughs> let me, okay, let me collect myself a second. Um, Oh my god, I'm just trying to find the question I had up a second before I started getting like really mad about uh, about this kind of stuff. Uh, okay, Red Wing Chris, if Stafford and Bevel keep this up, what are the chances he beats out Lamar Jackson for MVP? I mean, pretty <laughs> low. I feel like I feel like the book's been written on Stafford, and from a narrative standpoint, that's not going to earn you a lot of MVP stuff. I also don't think that he is playing at an MVP level, like. As good as Stafford can be when he's on, you have to realize like what the game is right now in the NFL. And Stafford can have some of these games. I just don't I I don't think that's biased against Detroit. I just think that there's just there there's options out there that just have the inside track. There are gonna be more there in prime time and in bigger spots. But we'll see. We'll see. It might if he blows up, I, I would put the chances if we're doing random numerical numbers at like ten percent.
2: That, that, honestly, that seems a little high to me. Maybe. And, and it, honestly, it, it really just comes down to wins, right? Like, yeah. MVP award is the best quarterback on the best team pretty much all the time. So the lines would have to go 13-2-1 or 12-3-1 or, or whatever numbers add up to 16. It, it's tough with ties now. Um, but, yeah, they'd have to win a ton of games and Stafford would have to. I mean, he. here's the thing. Like, Lamar Jackson is, what, throwing four or five touchdowns a game? Stafford through what, three last week and two this week? It, it's not the incredible fantasy stats that really drive MVP talk and things like that. He, he's not there yet. Now, could he reach that level when the offense is finally clicking on all cylinders? If the, if the offense clicks on all cylinders, maybe. Um, I think we need to see a little bit more um, from the skill position players, too. The one thing that I forgot to mention early on that I wanted to mention was who – Quick, quick quiz: Who were the two leading receivers in Week One for the Lions? Hawkinson and uh, yeah. and Amendola. Now, how many yeah. catches did those two combine for today?
3: Less than four. One. Oh, nice wow.
2: one. So they're spreading the ball a little bit and and you know finding some other targets. I need to see a little more consistency about that. But the fact that they were able to have two guys be their star receivers last week and this week it was. I mean, it's pretty much just the Kenny Galladay show, if we're being completely honest. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But that's interesting to me, the, it, the fact that they can have kind of those different weapons. So if, if teams continue to try to take away Hawkinson, maybe Kenny Galladay gets more one-on-one looks like he got today. I think he got a lot of one-on-one looks, and that's why Stafford kept going to him, and even the interception that he threw was in one-on-one coverage to him. So um, I know this is kind of a, a roundabout way of answering a question that I'm no longer talking about, but... Um, Yeah, I I think we're a long way from talking about Stafford MVP talk, um, but it's certainly within the realm of possibilities.
1: Okay, um, I'm trying to figure out who sent this question. I'm sorry. I think this came from our auto modder, and I don't know. I was waiting for John to, like, let me know what this is. Um, But we're going to read it anyway. I think we'll try to get the name here pretty quickly. We've got a question. uh, Seeing how the Pats played the Chiefs and how they covered Hill in the playoffs, do you think the lions have a chance to beat them? Definitely with Harris auto is as a person. Okay. I thought it was just a bot. Um, the question is, do you think the lions have a chance to beat them? Definitely
2: with Hill being out. The chiefs um, that is. I mean, I I'm, I'm of the belief. And I think Ryan said this last week, this team can beat anyone. They could lose to anybody. And, and that does include the Chiefs. Um, I think the line secondary is good enough where they can take away some big players. Um, I think Darius Slay has proven that he can follow some of the best receivers in the league and at least limit them a little bit. Um, and and I thought today was another pretty good day from Rashawn Melvin. Um, so I think the line secondary can, can potentially match up with the uh, a shortened bench with the Chiefs receivers, but um, it's not going to be an easy task because Patrick Mahomes is, is a beast and And i just say like yeah
1: i was i think i said this before in our pre in our pregame here while we were sitting here waiting for the stream to start jeremy i was editing some articles and oakland was up 10 points and i turned around and suddenly the chiefs had put up 28 just i I didn't even hear them score yeah i had the tv blaring (laughs) i didn't even hear the touchdown calls like that that's terrifying to me the chiefs are real
3: no, I mean, here's the scariest thing about the Chiefs. Maybe their best offensive weapon, not named Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill goes out. Mm. Chiefs don't miss a beat.
1: Don't need to.
3: They don't Demarcus DeMarcus Robinson. DeMarcus Robinson was the guy today. They even had a touchdown get called back against McCole Hardman that... Was uh That was like a cheapy holding call. And I know some people but.
1: are going to say, oh, it was only 28 points on the Raiders. The Raiders, like, that's a rivalry game for the Raiders. That was them coming off a win, wanting, like, that's the last time the Chiefs are going to play in Oakland. They the, 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 the Raiders wanted to win that game. They were all out to prove something today. And the it Chiefs tw- still, like, laid a bomb on them.
3: It was 28 points on the road in the second quarter. <laughs> yeah, in Oakland. In Oakland with a jacked-up crowd. Marcus Robinson. Yeah. How many, how many of you had him on your fantasy team this week when he caught six passes for 172 yards and two touchdowns? Like this offense, it doesn't need... Kelsey had over 100 Kyrie yards kill. himself.
2: It's, it's scheming quarterback.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Mahomes is real. I'm sorry. I know everyone was like, hey, he might fall off. No, he's not falling off. Oh my God. This is, uh, we can't stop him. He's become too powerful.
2: Darth Angry, Hamels asked, what does Jared Davis add to the de- defense that we haven't seen so far, trying to determine if he plays 95% of snaps or is rotational now? Um, first of all, I I think he plays 100% of the snaps when he's fully healthy. Mm-hmm. I, I don't mm-hmm. know if there's a question for that. He's, he's a play caller on defense. I think that's an underrated aspect. Devon Kennard has been taking up that role, but he's only done it a few times in his career. Um. And then as someone else in, in chat mentioned speed, I, I think the lines haven't been great about sideline to sideline speed, especially in this game. I think a lot of their run defense tackles that have been happening at or behind the line of scrimmage is really actually come from their secondary, their safeties. Um, I haven't seen a ton of splash, phase, spl- ah, splash plays from Tavai, from Christian Jones. Um, I thought Jalen Reeves' Maven was bad today, like legitimately bad today. Um so I, I, think, I think this team will benefit, and I know, I know all three of us have been very critical of Jared Davis in the past, but I still think that this defense needs him. I still think he brings an element that they don't have, and Ryan mentioned it earlier with his pass rush. There's been a lot of pass rushing woes with this team through two weeks. I think Jared Davis helps there too. I think that's
1: it uh, as far as questions. We're kind of at 25 minutes here, so I think we should wrap it up here. I think this has been great. Uh, we're going to take a few minutes after the fact, still talk with uh, Twitch chat a little bit, but I want to turn on some air and I don't want to mess with my... Yeah, we unbutton our shirts a little bit. Oh, stop it.
3: I didn't, I didn't sign up for this. Mm-hmm.
1: All right, goodbye, everyone. See you star side on the podcast.